Welcome to New City Church, everybody. I'm Rodney. And I'm Alexia. And we are super excited to have you worshiping with us today. Listen, if it's your first time or your 50th time, we're excited to have you. If it is your first time, we'd like to know that you're worshiping with us. And the easiest way for you to help us out with that is for you to go to newcity.us connect. And we can't wait for our next renewal night. It's coming up on Thursday, February 3rd. So mark your calendars. This is a great time for us to come together and worship and pray and share communion. So mark your calendars and go to newcity.us events for more information. That's awesome. And another cool event that we got coming up in February is date night. Now, if you've been married for any prolonged length of time, I know that the pandemic may have affected your marriage. I don't think any of us that are married are exempt from that. Now, if that's you, even if you think your marriage is in a great place, I want to encourage and challenge you to come out to date night. It's going to be February 11th. That's a Friday at 6.30 p.m. at the South Park campus. Chris and Jen Payne will be there hosting Jeff and Laura Helton. It's going to be an amazing time. Jacqueline and I have personally invested time with Jeff and Laura and so they're going to teach us how to move towards a more resilient marriage. And so if you want to find out more about that, you can go to newcity.us events. And at New City, community is our design. And a one way that we grow in community is to become part of a group. And so we've created a place where you can come and meet group leaders and other group seekers and find a group that fits for you. So mark your calendars, save the date for February 27th, that's a Sunday night at the Matthews location, and you will find out more information about that online as well. And before we go, as always, just wanna thank you so much for your generosity to New City Church. It goes such a long way to helping us bring gospel renewal to our city and our world. And if you're joining us for the first time, no obligation for you to give. We want you to allow this service to be our gift to you. And if you do call New City Home, giving is another extension of our worship, right? We worship through song, we worship through the word, but our generosity is just another way that we can worship God. And as always, you can give at newcity.us give. Let's continue to worship together. Welcome to New City Online. We're so glad you're here worshiping with us today. As we begin, hear these words from Psalm 100. It says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's worship him this morning. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. With all of my heart, with all of strength with all that I have I will sing let everything that has breath praise the Lord there is a river that flows unrestrained from your heart canyons of mercy so deep I could never depart Open my eyes to believe Oh, 
shines like the sun.
Father, we thank you that you are our source of refuge and strength. In you, we delight and we worship you, we adore you. We praise your name for you are worthy, you are holy, and you are mighty. Open our ears to hear what you have to say to us today that we may listen to you speak. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome to New City. We're grateful to be gathering together on this winter weather day. We're grateful for the gift of technology and to continue our series through the book of Ephesians together. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, wherever you might be gathered today, I want to encourage you to open up to Ephesians chapter 1. And as you're making your way there, just to remind you, we handed out an outline last week. It's available online. Uh, just of all the sermons through this series that are coming up, and would love for you to to commit to reading ahead and and studying and also sharing this with other people who might need to be a part of it. So let me, as you're turning there to Ephesians chapter one, we're going to be in in verses three through fourteen today as we continue the series. As you're making your way there, let me tell you about one of my favorite movies. As a kid, I'm a, I'm a child of the '80s, so of course one of my favorite movies is Back to the Future, still is one of my favorites. Um, And even part two and part three, they weren't quite as good, but still really solid movies. And let's do a little bit of Back to the Future with the book of Ephesians. Last week we started just by looking at the first two verses and kind of setting the context of how we got there and how Paul and his team journeyed and just the amazing story of the church starting. So let's look at the past for just a second as we think about the book of Ephesians and the church of Ephesus. So when Paul begins his journey in Acts chapter 16, the second missionary journey, and he takes Silas and Luke's on the journey, and then people start uh, you know, add, being added to the team. And one of those people is a young man named Timothy. And when Paul is in Lystra and Derby, uh, Timothy is, is somebody that they've seen that exhibits a lot of great leadership and godliness. And so Paul invites him in Acts chapter 16, verse 3, to, to join the journey, to join the team. And that was our bottom line last week as we started the series that we want to join the journey, right? Uh, the journey of God and this journey of faith together. And so just to fast forward again by kind of looking back, 
Uh, Timothy joins the team, and he they they journey you know all the way through Macedonia and kind of like a, a physically full circle uh, to get to Ephesus to eventually establish the church and preach the gospel to all of Asia Minor. And what you may not know is that young man Timothy that joined the journey in Lystra back in Acts sixteen three would go on to succeed Paul as the pastor at the church at Ephesus and 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 pastor there for many many years. And in fact. Uh, two of the books in the New Testament, First and Second Timothy, the, the, Timothy, that are written from Paul to his spiritual son Timothy, the context of both those pastoral letters, First and Second Timothy, are is Timothy pastoring at the church at Ephesus, and Paul writing to him and encouraging him and instructing him about how to lead. So it's just kind of cool to look back and to see that this young man that joins the team eventually becomes the pastor at this uh, church in Ephesus, this major influential church, and would of course go on to be you know, a pillar of the first century church. And then looking forward, um, after Timothy, John, the apostle John, becomes the pastor of the church at Ephesus. So just this really influential church um, that this book was written to. And so now the apostle John, the evangelist, is the is the pastor. And what you may not know uh, as well is that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was also a member of the church at Ephesus. Um, so again, this really important New Testament church, and here's you know Mary, the mother of Jesus, who lives in the household of John. Remember when Jesus is on the cross, he looks at John and says, John, take care of my mother. And John does that, and history tells us that John made his way to become the pastor after Timothy at the church at Ephesus, and Mary joined the church. So if you can imagine, like, Mary's in the church, in the gathering, Mary, the mother of Jesus. I mean, she was probably in someone's small group in their home, so, you know, no pressure, right? Just the mother of Jesus in, in, in your small group. But all this happened in Ephesus, and John went on to, uh, to write several books in the New Testament, including his gospel, but also the book of Revelation. Uh, God uh, revealed to him all these future things, and, and John scribes them in the book of Revelation. And actually, John writes on behalf of Jesus to these seven churches, beginning in chapter 2 in Revelation. And guess who the first church that John writes to, a message uh, from Jesus to? Um, it's the church at Ephesus. And you can go and read that beginning uh, in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And the message that John gives from Jesus to the church at Ephesus is uh, that they're commended for their, their belief and their doctrine, that they've held true to what they believe. But they're, they're rebuked, the church at Ephesus is, through John's writing in the book of Revelation, because they've forgotten their first love. Do you remember this? Um, John says, you know, writing on behalf of Jesus to the church at Ephesus, you know, you've, you've lost your first love, your, your passion uh, for living out what you believe in loving other people. And I think this is so important as we look back and we look to the future here, because this was probably 30 years in the future after the church was founded, that this message comes to the church at Ephesus. And it's just as relevant for us today. Because essentially what John says to them in the book of Revelation is that, hey, you believe the right things, and that's good. But you've got to live those things out in love towards God and other people. Remember, Jesus said all of the commandments of God can be summarized in this. Love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Paul went on to say to the church at Corinth, if I have all this knowledge and wisdom and insight, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. 
So it's it's faith working itself out in love that matters. It's it's both what we believe and then how we live it out. And interestingly, the book of Ephesians, as hopefully you've made your way there now, and if you're taking some notes, the book of Ephesians can be outlined in, in two simple themes. What we believe, chapters one through three, it's, it's basically the foundational doctrine of what we believe as Christ followers. And then the second part of the letter, chapters four through six, is how we live. And as we see from the message in Revelation to the church at, at Ephesus, that both really matter. Uh, we've gotta be doctrinally sound in what we believe, but just as importantly, we've got to live that out in our ethic, how we treat other people, how we love God and love other people as we love um, ourselves. So what we believe and how we live are the two major themes of the book of Ephesians. And it's, again, split right down the middle, chapters 1 through 3 and then 4 through 6. And we started the series last week, so we're in the first half, uh, this first theme of what we believe. And that really frames up uh, the first three chapters of the book. So in that context, let's jump into our passage today, which is verses 3 through 14 in Ephesians chapter 1. And again, if you have a copy of the scriptures or you have the New City app, you can pull up the passage there and read along with me today. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Verse 6, so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out onto us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered us, uh, he has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Verse nine, God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. What a great word. Verse 12, God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, who he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this, finally, so we would praise and glorify him. Wow, what a passage today. If you're taking some notes here in your Bible uh, or in a journal, maybe just mark verse 3 through verse 14, our passage today, and maybe just write this down just as an off-the-top observation. This is one sentence, 
one breathless sentence in the Greek. So when Paul was writing this, he gives that brief introduction, verses 1 and 2, that we covered last week. And then he gets right into talking about how we're blessed because of Jesus. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ. And it's almost like Paul doesn't want to stop for any punctuation. He just wants to write one sentence that goes from verse 3 all all the way to 14 about the blessings that we have in Christ. And remember the context. Paul is under house arrest in Rome when he writes the book of Ephesians in approximately A.D. 60. So he's circumstantially in a rough spot in Rome under arrest, and he can't wait to talk about all the blessings that he has and that we have for uh, for those of us who follow Jesus. He can't wait to talk about how good we have it in Christ and how, how blessed we are in every single way. And another quick observation if you're taking notes is all three persons of the Godhead, all three persons of the Trinity appear in this passage. So the word Trinity doesn't appear anywhere in the New Testament, but the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, appear multiple times. And this is one of those Trinitarian passages, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, as Paul begins to try to describe all the blessings that we have because of God. So let's jump into verse 3 right away here. Paul begins uh, this, this section on spiritual blessings that we have by saying, All praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every, circle that in your Bible, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm, circle that in your Bible, because we are united with Christ. That phrase, in Christ or with Christ, appears 11 different times in this short passage, verses 3 through 14. Uh, Paul wants to say something to us. He wants to talk about how blessed we are, how much favor we have, how good we have it because of Jesus. But he wants to connect that very specifically and overtly. It's only because we are in Christ. It's not because of our circumstances. It's not because of our merit. It's not because of anything good, bad, or indifferent in our lives. It's only because we find ourselves in Jesus. And because we've been united with Jesus, we are partakers of all of these blessings. And and, and look at the word every. I asked you to underline that here in verse 3. Every spiritual blessing has been given to us in Jesus. Nothing is being withheld by God, in other words. Nothing's being held back. God's not, God's not pocketing your blessings somewhere else and reserving them, you know, and keeping them from you. He's, he's given you every single blessing that belongs to him. It's yours. It's, it's ours. And so in this way, and I know, you know, some of this is just semantics, but it's important. Words are important. When we ask God for his blessing, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to do that. But we need to root that ask in understanding that God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Jesus. And so maybe maybe a, a more appropriate prayer would be, God, thank you for your blessings. Instead of asking God to bless the meal today, uh, thank God for the blessing of the meal and what that represents in so many different areas of your life because every blessing belongs to us in Jesus. The table is full of blessings from God. And so we now thank him for those. And then finally, he says, in the heavenly realms, 
in the heavenly places, in this spiritual dimension, this real place, God has blessed us in that realm. And, and it's interesting because Artemis was the, the goddess that was worshipped in Ephesus. There was a, a temple to her worship, and she was the goddess of, of the wilderness and of nature and of, and of earth. And so Paul here says, to this group of people who many of them probably had previously worshiped the, the, the goddess Artemis. And, and now he says, you know, your blessings don't originate here on earth. They don't originate in your body or in anything physical or in a, in a temple that you could construct with your hands. All of our blessings originate in the heavenly realms, in, in the spiritual dimension, the place that, that Christ is enthroned. And so he, he sort of, um, you know, not only teaches good theology here, but he's also undermining this, this earthly belief that we can just be blessed with things here on earth. You know, Artemis was the, 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 uh, the daughter, supposedly, of, of Zeus. And, and, and it, interestingly, now he's going to begin to talk about these specific blessings and how we've been adopted as children into God's family. So none of nothing is lost with the Apostle Paul, right? And nothing is lost with God's word. And it's speaking specifically culturally to the people at Ephesus and to us today who, with all these other rival gods that want to vie for our attention, whether it's possessions or, or people or whatever it might be, and Paul wants to not only teach great doctrine here of what we believe, but he wants to, uh, to undermine false doctrine, and that's exactly what he's doing in verse 3. But he's also setting up these specific blessings that we have because of God. And so th this is my phrase. Uh, to me, verses 4 through 14, again, if you're taking notes and, and just writing the outline today for this passage, to me, these are Paul's top three blessings uh, of following Jesus, of being found in Christ, uh, the top three blessings of, of knowing God and following God, Ephesians chapter 1, verses verses 4 through 14. And I want to give a credit to Richard Koken, a uh, great commentary on the book of Ephesians. And I pulled these three statements uh, from him in his outline. He did a fabulous job um, kind of putting these together. And, and my, my word would be these are the top three blessings that Paul can't wait to write to us about what it means to follow Jesus and, and be blessed in every way. And here's the first one, ju just jumping right in, that we're, we're uh, being chosen for adoption, right? That being chosen for adoption by the Father, um, that's one of our top blessings, that we have been, we've been selected, we've been adopted into the family of God by the Father. And look at verses four through six for this. Uh, Paul writes that, you know, before the foundations of the earth, that that God wanted to pull us into his family, that, that that was his desire. And so you may have thought that you chose to follow Jesus and be a part of his family, but actually Paul wants to, to help us to, to, to understand and believe that uh, long before we had any inkling of God, before we were ever, um, you know, came into this world, before even the foundations of this world, God wanted to adopt you into his family as, as sons and his daughters. Um, J.I. Packer, a great theologian, said, uh, you can tell how well someone understands Christianity, what it means to follow Jesus, 
uh, by how they frame up God as their father and understanding their sonship and daughtership in the family of God. He said that's the number one thing to understand about our faith is that you've been adopted into the family of God and that God made the first move, that, that he filled out the paperwork, that he came and pursued you and made it possible for you to be a part of his family. Um, Copernicus is, is uh, the astronomer who uh, discovered that uh, we, you know, actually uh, everything isn't centered around the earth, that actually we revolve around the sun. And that was in uh, the 16th century. And before then, uh, people thought that the earth was the center of the universe. And it's almost like Paul here as he's writing about, you know, being adopted in the family of, of God by the Father and the Father making the first move towards that he's reordering our understanding of the center of the universe, that at the center is God, that at the center of everything is God, and that all of our lives rotate around God, that, or, that, that it's, it wasn't us, it was, it was God from the beginning. And so everything revolves around him and his life for us. Uh, I heard it another way, maybe this is helpful to you, for you to think about this in terms of God picking you and electing us and, and, and knowing before the foundations of the world that we were gonna be a part of his family. Um, I heard someone say it this way, that you take the first step towards God and God will take the second step. And by the time you get to the third step, you'll realize that it was God who took the first step. And I love that. Because for many of us, we, we, you know, we do decide to follow Jesus. God does give us volition. And there's some mystery there about how all that works in his sovereignty. But at the end of the day, it's his sovereignty. It's his good graces and favor that allows us to even pursue and choose to follow Jesus. It's only by the bidding of the Holy Spirit and, um, and the work of, of God on our behalf that we're able to choose to follow him. Um, Spurgeon said it this way, at the front of the door, when you, if you think about salvation and following God, on the front of the door, it says, you know, Matthew eleven twenty eight, come unto me. And you're making a choice to walk through that door and follow God. But when you get through that door and you accept Jesus and you begin to walk with Jesus, you look back on the door and on the back side of the door, it says, you were chosen before the foundations of the world. That it always has been God at the center, drawing you and bidding you to be a part of his family. So the first blessing that Paul mentions is being chosen for adoption by the Father. Again, all three persons of the Trinity are a part of this blessing. Here's the second one, being redeemed for unity by the Son. Look at Ephesians 1, verses 1, uh, 7 through 10. Uh, Paul reminds us of this incredible gift of grace. And I want to give you just a quick little acronym for grace because grace is God's unmerited favor. You know, you've probably heard me teach before, mercy is not getting what you deserve, grace is getting what you don't deserve. So God is both merciful to us, but he's also gracious. He gives us what we don't deserve. Uh, I love this acronym for grace. Maybe just write G-R-A-C-E, grace, and, and write these words, God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. It cost Christ everything to allow us to experience the fullness and the, the riches of God. And the word here is redemption, that we were redeemed, uh, that, that we were redeemed for unity to be united, uh, and that was through the work of Jesus, the, the Son. 
And the word redemption uh, really means liberation. It's to be freed. And this first century Roman audience would have understood this idea of um, of slavery and redemption and liberation and how uh, Paul is saying it's the work of Jesus that now liberates us from and for, from a life of sin, from being slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to sin but for a life as sons and daughters. So not only are we liberated from something, but we're liberated for something, uh, to be united uh, with God through the work of Christ. And here's the, the third blessing, is being sealed for inheritance by the Spirit, by the work of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to look at verses 11 through 14 on this in Ephesians chapter one. Now, <clears throat> the idea of a seal, again, a first century audience, Roman audience would have definitely understood this idea that a seal marks something that you owned. And so Paul picks up on that language and he says, you know, not only were you adopted in, into the family by the Father, you were united by the work of the Son and, and redeemed from and for, you know, from slavery for sonship, but now you're marked for an inheritance. As a son, as a, as a daughter of God, you have the right to be a co-heir with Christ in the inheritance that is God's. And so the Holy Spirit marks us for that. It's this seal that sets us apart. And Paul says, this started with the Jews. We were the first ones uh, to partake of this, but now it's spread to Gentiles, to, to everyone, Jew and Gentile. He'll pick up on this later in chapter two, that we're one new humanity now in God. And God has made us his children, and sealed us now with the Holy Spirit to mark us for everyone to see that we belong to God. And not only that, moreover, the Holy Spirit, Paul says here in this passage, is a guarantee of future blessings. And uh, Ephesus was a major commerce city, uh, not unlike Charlotte, a financial center. And so they would have understood this financial language of deposits and guarantees. And the Holy Spirit, Paul says here in verses 11 through 14, the Holy Spirit is like this guarantee of future blessings to come. So not only is it a blessing now, it's a down payment, but it's also uh, a guarantee of, of blessings that are to come in the future. And so this teaching about the Holy Spirit being not only a seal that marks us, but a guarantee uh, of our inheritance as children of God now and in the future, it, it helps us to avoid thinking, that, and maybe this is a struggle for some of you, it helps us to avoid thinking that all of our blessings are to come in the future that once we get to heaven, we'll experience the blessing of God. But we've just kinda gotta get through this life that's hard and then we'll experience the blessing of God. But Paul says, you, you're, you're you know, sealed by the Holy Spirit now and he's already made a deposit in your life and you can begin to draw on those blessings now, today. But it also, this teaching helps us to avoid thinking that our current experiences are all that there is. That in other words, I've gotta get every blessing I can today and I've gotta to move towards prosperityism and try to get everything in my life and, and be blessed because there's nothing to come. No, Paul says that's false thinking because there's so many more blessings to come. So it's both now and to come. It's, it's as if um, Paul says, 
you know, you participate in the blessing of God and you understand it today, but it's it's a down payment on the blessings that are to come. Sort of like um, if you have a, a warm meal today with friends or family, or maybe a warm bath uh, or a fire, or you, you watch a football game or something that brings you joy. This is a foretaste of all the many blessings to come. You know, C.S. Lewis said that God gives us some pleasant little ends on this side of eternity, but he will not allow us to mistake this world for our home. So we have a foretaste of the blessings that are to come. We experience uh, goodness and grace now because of God, but it's just a, it's just a guarantee or a, a, um, a preview of all the things that are to come in the future. We had a, in closing today, we had a, we celebrated a birthday at our house this week. And one of the things that we do in our house, just one of our little traditions, is that at everybody's spot uh, at the table, uh, the night before their birthday, we'll, we'll kind of decorate it and put their favorite things in their spot. So it could be candy or just little things uh, that remind us of them and that we know would be a blessing to them. And the whole idea is that, hey, you know, we celebrate your life, but you have a place. You, this is your spot. And, and we wanna bless you and, and show you how much you mean to us. And I think this passage about every spiritual blessing is such a beautiful picture of God preparing a place for us, as Jesus said he would, that there's a spot for us at the table, that we've been adopted into the family of God and we've been blessed in every way because of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit now guarantees that blessing in our lives. And so it's not now our understanding of blessing is not culturally like hashtag blessed, you know, just I made every green light today and so hashtag, you know, I'm blessed and, and pursuing just all those, all those temporal things. No, it's something so much more meaningful than, than that. And Paul in this one breathless sentence, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, frames up what it really means to be blessed. And here it is, just bottom line. We, each of us, you and me, those of us who are Christ followers, we are blessed in Christ, bottom line today. Paul says that this is, this is beyond just something circumstantial or a hashtag or anything like that. This is something so deep and so rooted in the heart of God, of who God is that he wants to bless us. And we are blessed not because of ourselves, but because of Christ. And Paul reminds us specifically that we're blessed in every way, right? That we're chosen by the Father, that we're redeemed by the Son, and that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And all of this, verse 14, is for the praise and the glory of God. And so we give him that today. Can I pray for you? Let's pray together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you today for every spiritual blessing that is ours, that because of your work, Father, your work, Son, your work, Holy Spirit, you have blessed us, you've adopted us, you've, you've united us, and you've sealed us now for redemption. So I pray for each of my friends today that you would encourage us with these words and that they would be for your praise and for your glory. Amen.